Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. As I shared with you guys last week, this is our anniversary month. We are celebrating the third year of launching this podcast, and I want to shower you guys with tons of love and gift and giveaways. So if you are interested to learn how to get some of the gift cards we have, sex toys, sex education books, and many more, make sure you are checking out our, checking out our Instagram account at Oasis2Care. So I'm very excited about this episode. As you guys might remember, we had this episode on Tantra a few years ago, and I kept getting emails about, you guys wanted to learn more about it, this kind of practical tools and strategies on what you can do to practice it in your personal life with your partner. If I'm honest with you, I was a little bit hesitant, even with the first one, because I know the focus of our show is science of exploring science of sex and pleasure. I love Tantra, but because of how it's more a holistic approach, we don't necessarily, at least I don't know of a scientific peer review journal that published articles on the topic. So I wasn't sure if we this would be a good fit for our show. But again, you guys had so many questions about Tantra, and this is something that I have no experience in. And Barbara Corrales, which is the goddess of teaching Tantra, was very gracious, and she accepted to come on the show. So I thought this is a fantastic opportunity. So me and you both can learn about it from one of the biggest names in the tantric field. And it's funny that I did this interview a few months ago. And since then, I was so inspired that that I started practicing orgasmic breathing. And I put it as one of my resolutions on my Instagram. And many of you guys wanted to know what to do to practice it. What does it mean? So if you were one of those people that you guys were curious to learn more about it, this is the show for you. This is the episode that can teach you more about orgasmic breathing, energy gasm, and sex magic. So Barbara is the founder of Urban Tantra, a hot and healing approach to sexuality that adapts and blends a wide variety of sacred sexuality practices from Tantra to BDSM. She's the author of Urban Tantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, now at second edition, Ecstasy is Necessary, a practical guide to sex, relationship, and oh, so much more, and luxurious loving. Oh God, I love every single word in that sentence. Anyhow, if you want to read her extended bio, make sure you are checking the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Barbara Corrales. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have 
Barbara Corrales on our show. Did I pronounce the last name right? You did. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent. I was sharing with you before we started recording that how excited I am for this conversation. We had someone talking about Tantra as a, a form of lifestyle, but I know that in your book, in your workshop, you talk about it as people are kind of incorporating that in their life and also in their sex and spirituality. So I want us to start talking about what is Tantra? Well, to me, Tantra is a heart-centered, embodied spiritual practice that embraces every aspect of life on earth, including sex, but not limited to sex, as a path to spiritual enlightenment or however you define enlightenment, growth, transformation. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of kind of like using sexuality as a form of spirituality. I know when I was in graduate school, I had this very wonderful existential existential psychologist as a mentor, and he was talking about self-actualization and how people can achieve kind of self-actualization through kind of like sexual sexual practices. So I always be, I've been kind of interested in topic, but I feel like even in my sex therapy training, I didn't have good, solid kind of information about how is that possible. So tell us about if someone want to enjoy tantric sex with a partner, what are some of the rituals that they need to have in place? What are some of the kind of way that you can approach, they can approach it? Okay. First of all, let me just say that I love your tie-in between spiritual experiences achieved during sex with self-actualization in psychology. I think that's a really, really excellent way of bridging the gap between Tantra and science. So let me just... mm. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was my mentor's idea. (laughs) But I think it's really important to restate it because I think people sometimes think of Tantra and go, too woo-woo for me, too out there, and it's practiced by all those wealthy, middle-class, middle-aged, white, Marin County, California types, and I'm just not one of them. So people think Tantra is not for them. And when... In it, the reason I created Urban Tantra was for all those other people and the people who like traditional Tantra. But I wanted an inclusive practice that was doable, mm-hmm. not something that you read a lot about but never practiced, not something that took too long or felt foreign, but something super accessible. So that being said, because I have kind of a deconstructive kind of mind, I like to break things down into how they work. Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm very practical. When I was seven, I took my bicycle apart just so I could figure out why, how it worked. And the beauty of taking my bicycle apart at age seven to figure out how it worked was when I put it back together again, I could now customize it. Mm -hmm. I could put on better handlebars and a different seat and take off the fenders and change the wheel. You get it, you know? So my Tantra is not, you do this practice and that's it. My, my urban Tantra is you remember a few basic things that you know you probably already actually know, and you make them a little more ritualized and a lot more conscious. For example, 
let's let's start with ritual. There's a word that'll turn off half the audience in a nanosecond. <laughs> so let's let's get clear about ritual. Ritual is does can be as simple or as elaborate as your personal style wants to make it. All ritual is is any practice that focuses your attention and your energy in such a way as to fulfill an intention. Not necessarily a goal, but an intention. An intention might be to get closer to your partner. Or it could be as specific as to pleasure somebody's penis or clitoris or whatever else in some delicious, unique way. It could be very, very, the more immediate it is actually, the better. But we want to stay away from goals that are like, I'm going to give you the best orgasm you've ever had. Because when we have a goal, if we don't reach our goal, then our interaction has failed. Mm-hmm. If our intention is to get closer to our partner and show them some love, there's about a million ways that that might happen. Mm-hmm. And if we're not wedded to a particular goal, we're more likely to fulfill our intention. So, Some really simple things that people can start with right now. Breathe. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, I mean, breathe a bit, breathe consciously and a bit more fully and deeply than you usually do. We all basically breathe it barely enough to stay alive. Mm -hmm. If you breathe consciously, which is keeping your energy and attention on your breath and A bit more fully and deeply than you usually do, everything changes. In fact, probably later in this conversation, we'll even talk about how that simple instruction can lead you into a kind of orgasm you can have without even touching your genitals or having anybody else touch them. But for now, let's just breathe. And you can do that right now as I'm talking. Just breathe a little more fully and deeply than you usually do. When you breathe that way, and especially with a partner, you fall into a kind of trance state. I don't mean like drug-induced, although if you do it long enough and consciously enough, it will feel that way. That ought to get people to do it, don't you think? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You will fall into a kind of trance state. And if you breathe together, you really enter that trance Mm -hmm. together. You can practice mindfulness. Now, all mindfulness is, is keeping your attention focused on your intention. Like I said before, whether your intention is to perhaps suck that nipple more delightfully and perfectly and just the way someone likes than you ever have before, that's a great intention. If you have your mind completely on that, you could give somebody a nipplegasm. Mm-hmm. If they were breathing a bit more fully and deeply than they usually do and focusing all their attention on receiving that touch, even more likely they could have a nipplegasm. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness breath. Another really, really, really important, and this may be where t- Tantra gets its reputation for taking a long time. In fact, what we actually do is just slow down. My Tantra teacher used to say, Practice three strokes for 30, meaning where you would do 30, normally do 30 fast strokes, Mm -hmm. do three at the resilient edge of resistance, which is my phrase for resilient edge of resistance means 
when you, let's say touch, when you touch yourself or somebody else, you're giving a touch that is neither too soft, which can be tickly and icky, mm-hmm. or too hard, which is kind of invasive. You want to touch, and you can do this right now on your own arm or leg. You can just put your hand, palm first, not fingers, palm first. You can think of it as like heart of palm. Put it on your arm or your leg, and first, go too light. And that's kind of creepy. And then you can go too heavy. And then find that place right in the middle. That's a resilient edge of resistance. It means you push, you provide some energy and the body pushes back just a little to meet it. And it feels like a kind of holding. When you do anything at the resilient edge of resistance, it's yummy. And the resilient edge of resistance constantly changes. Like if you're in a yoga class and you do downward dog and the teacher says, okay, take a breath, go a little deeper. You feel that when you take that breath, something changes. You go a little deeper in the pose. And with another breath, you go deeper still, etc. That's the resilient edge of resistance. It changes moment to moment. If you can stay at that resilient edge of resistance, which is really pretty easy to do. It sounds complex, but it's not really. If you breathe, it's easier to find it. You'll find that both you and your partner, actually, whether you are self-pleasuring or with a partner, will, again, deepen into that mindfulness, conscious sex trance that people talk about so fondly. And the last, here, well, here's one. Here's an, a, technically, it's an advanced exercise, but it's super, super, super simple. It's just not always easy the first time you try it. Just try eye gazing. Sit across from your partner. Breathe a little more fully and deeply than you usually do, maybe through your mouth because it's a bit more energizing. And just gaze into your partner's eyes. If that's too hard, just gaze into one eye, like the left eye, whatever, pick one. And just breathe and eye gaze. It's remarkably challenging if you've never tried it before, Mm -hmm. but it is profound. And when you get over the giggles and deepen into it, it's transcendental for some, transformative for almost everyone. You can also do things like kiss eye gazing. And you can, one of you can breathe in and one of you can breathe out. Also deeply hypnotic. This is not lots of fancy positions. The Kama Sutra is actually not a tantric text. It was a gentleman's guide and it had some tantra-like stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But the, sometimes people confuse Tantra and the Kama Sutra and think that they have to twist themselves into pretzel-like positions. But it's not true. What we really do is get more mindful. We start to learn how energy flows between bodies and within ourselves. And we focus on connection and on allowing instead of doing. So much sex is, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. What should I do next? And in Tantra, we practice exercises like the ones I just suggested, which allow us to open up, to allow the energy that's already everywhere to move through us. Mm -hmm. As humans, we think we need to control everything and do control everything. And that anything that happens in the universe is something that we made happen. Tantra teaches us that the universe happens to us. And we are responders Mm -hmm. far more than we are actors, which is a profound spiritual realization right there, I suppose, right? 
Absolutely. Yes. And I think one thing that you mentioned, and I love that, that it seems like you have this practical guide when it comes to tantric practices. Because I always, when you see videos and presentations and you hear about tantra, I say, oh, I, I want I want this. I want more of this. But the idea sounds so abstract that many people, even if they're interested, they don't know what to do. And I love that you kind of like you invite people to kind of start with focusing on their breathing and kind of using that as a tool. So I think that's that's a very good actionable thing that we all who are interested in Tantra can use it. One question that I always had, it might be silly, that I know sometimes with Tantric practices with partners, it perhaps it's prolonged. And when it's between female and male, I wonder that does male are always kind of like are able to maintain erection because I know sometimes it's just the breathing. So that's something that is always I was curious about. Sure. In my practice of Tantra, erections really aren't that important. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're useful when you want them. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly a wonderful means of connection, mm -hmm. but they're only one expression of connection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I can, and I've seen it among people who identify as men and women, people who identify as other genders, people of different gendered partners, have energy gasms together where whether or not physical penetration is happening, mm -hmm. they feel like it is because energetically they are penetrating or mm -hmm. being penetrated. Mm -hmm. And this is a phenomenon that often cisgendered people may or may not notice. Every, mm -hmm. People experience it, but they don't notice it. Whereas I did a survey among trans, trans and gender nonconforming people, mm -hmm. and I asked them if they had ever experienced energy genitals and some meaning the feeling that a genital is there when physically they know it isn't actually. Mm -hmm. And 60% had. Mm -hmm. And when I started asking that question of, of cisgendered people, mm -hmm. When their attention was drawn to that, and especially if they practice Tantra, I don't know the percentage because I did it anecdotally, but a pretty significant proportion said, oh yeah, I felt that. What is that? Mm -hmm. So Tantra, it's not, like I said, it's not that we don't care about erections. They're wonderful things, but there's just so much else involved. Mm -hmm. And there is no obligation for anybody to be wet or hard mm -hmm. for the length of an erotic interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, because we can do that if we want to do that, but there are so many other paths to ecstasy and connection and orgasm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that just teaches a very important lesson. I talk about it with clients all the time that there's so many ways of kind of sexually connect with your partner and intimacy and connection that's not involved penetration. And I, when I bring up kind of like these breathing exercises during, I don't teach Tantra because that's not something that I've, I've been taught kind of like to work with, with clients. But I, when I talk about breathing exercises and that's the first anxiety that my clients have, I say, okay, let's kind of like, let's kind of pay attention, do this mindfulness element, add this mindfulness element. And my male clients are sometimes feel anxious about what if I lose the erection? But I love that you're talking about that's not necessarily the goal of this activity and this practice. 
But let me let me give you even another one. In my book, Urban Tantra, I have a really significant section on erotic massage. Mm-hmm. And there's an erotic massage for people with pussies and people with penises, mm-hmm. because I like alliteration. Uh, <laughs> and the erotic awakening massage for people with penises is the most amazing way to pleasure a penis. And it does not require an erection. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there is one, that's great, but it does not require one. Mm-hmm. And it really helps men get into feeling the sensations as opposed to, here we go again, thinking they have to do something and that if they don't have an erect penis, they can't do what it is they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so that might be of use to some of your male clients, the erotic Absolutely. awakening massage in urban I love contract. that. And I, and I think even sometimes kind of taking the focus away from kind of like you got to have erection that can have this paradoxical effect. But you were talking about something that I was very fascinated when I was reading about it in your book. And it's been a recent kind of area of interest for me. So tell us about energy gasms. What are those? Ener- breath and energy gasms uh, are a technique that I learned from my first Tantra teacher. And in essence, or in practice, it is breathing more fully and deeply than we usually do and having a few other little techniques in your back pocket to keep your focus on your breath. Okay, so what it is. What it is is you breathe and you take yourself into a state that produces a euphoric feeling, both physically and mentally, that leads you to feel like you're having a full body orgasm. Interestingly enough, the one place most people do not feel the orgasm is in their genitals. It happens everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So not only can you use this technique on its own, or bits and pieces of it on its own, and I'll explain in a minute, But you can also use it with a genital orgasm for sort of a double effect. Mm -hmm. Now, the breath, all you really have to do is, is I tell people to breathe in and out through their mouth, but gently, not like, (sighs) but, (sighs) (sighs) but honestly, as long as you're breathing more fully and deeply than you usually do, you'll be fine. Now, I... What I love about this technique beyond what it makes me feel like is what it taught me about the true essence of how sex works. Deconstructing again. I warned you about this. (laughs) Love that. And I realized, and I'll explain in a minute, what I realized was that so much of the effect we get from sex is not from having our genitals touched or rubbed or whatever. That I learned how much of the kind of sex we really love, those peak experiences, were energetic. Mm-hmm. By which I mean, if you are, how do we, remember I said Tantra was about moving energy or allowing energy? Moving energy is part of allowing energy. Opening up is part of allowing energy. And these energetic sex techniques, would you already know, by the way, when you hear them, you'll go, oh, duh, help you move energy. And they have a secondary effect of while you're focusing on them, you can't be thinking other thoughts. You are focused on your breathing. You are focused on moving energy. So it keeps the busy mind that takes you to work when you want to be making love Mm -hmm. contained and Mm -hmm. focused. So first one, 
after breath, imagination. If I'm telling you in a meditation to imagine your lower belly filling with yummy, juicy sexual energy, your mind is occupied. Maybe you're seeing stars down there. Maybe you're feeling warm honey in there. Maybe you're hearing deep sounds, whatever, however your imagination works. You can, it is actually true that you can move energy with your mind. If you were to focus on any body part exclusively for 10 minutes and put all your attention and all your breath into it, trust me, at the end of 10 minutes, that body part would feel very different because energy really does follow thought, especially in Tantra. But I believe the quantum physics people have proved that too. But anyway, so we have imagination. If, if we say we're moving energy, we imagine moving energy. Sound. You know, there's a reason that the establishment does not want us to be loud during sex. It because it moves an amazing amount of energy. And if we really harnessed all the energy that comes from when we make sounds during sex, we would not need governments anymore. We would all be following our own innate wisdom. <laughs> Amen <laughs> it, <to> that. <laughs> and it does not have to be dirty talk if you don't like that or even sex sounds. I learned the power of chanting in, you know, ashrams mm -hmm. uh, when I was studying Tantra. But if you do make sex sounds and, 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 Lower ones are for sort of the lower part of the body, higher ones for the higher part, and middle ones for like around the heart, mm -hmm. different pitches, will move a huge amount of sexual energy. Um, I've been known to put a pillow over my face so I could make louder sounds. <laughs> I happen to believe that works. I have been told it doesn't necessarily. But try it at home. See what happens. <laughs> then... PC squeezes, squeezes of the pubic coccygeus muscles, the muscles you use to stop peeing. Just find that now, people who are listening, and give it a squeeze. That is sometimes called a kegel, but I'm really tired of white male doctors naming usually female body parts and exercises after themselves. Mm -hmm. So I call it PC squeezes now because it tells you what to do. Right. Of course, it's, those are always suggested for good sexual health, pelvic health. That's true. But in Tantra, we think of them as erotic energy pumps. Sort of like if you have a skyscraper, the heat will get from the basement to the roof. But if there's a heat pump, it'll get there faster and more intensely. So when you are doing PC squeezes and you're breathing, and maybe you're making some sounds, you don't have to do it all at once, but you could. You're moving a great deal of energy. Mm -hmm. And then if let's say you're also moving your hips. Maybe you're lying on your back with your knees up or in some other position where you can move some. There's a lot of energy movement mm -hmm. going on there. These are simple things. And if you think about peak sexual experiences, if you think about what was going on the last time you had a mind-blowing sexual experience, you probably were breathing pretty vigorously, like, <laughs> and you were probably making some kind of sound, like, oh, yeah, huh, huh. and you were squeezing your PC muscle or thrusting and or both, and you were probably moving your hips. And it was really going on, and you were focused. You were not thinking about what you were going to have for a snack afterwards. You weren't thinking what you were going to do tomorrow. You were totally present. Mm -hmm. All of that are energetic techniques. Mm -hmm. You then add the genitals and 
yes, that's important, but it wasn't all that was going on. Mm -hmm. If you had just been using your genitals and were doing none of the other stuff, it would not have been so good. Mm -hmm. So definitely, yeah, yeah. it sounds so exciting and something that like, I I love how encouraging you are that you're talking about it being kind of like something tangible that people can do. So I got very excited. I interrupted you. Please go ahead. That's okay. (laughs) So now it all sounds kind of complicated because you're like, how do I do that? So a couple of things. It's easier to read it or listen to it. So there's, if you go to my website, barbaracarellis.com and click on get my newsletter, you'll get a free gift, which are the printed instructions, how to have an energy orgasm. Or you can go to the section of my website that is read, watch, listen. And for 15 US dollars, you can get my meditation and I will take you through all the steps. You can just do it along with me and breathe yourself into your own energy orgasm at home. You don't have to go to a workshop. It only costs 15 bucks. What a deal. And it, it did is helpful. People, I recorded it because my students said, oh, but could you record it? Because it was so easy when you did it at a workshop and guided us through it. Mm-hmm. So it's easy, but it's helpful to have guidance at the beginning. And then once you've learned it, you can just do it. Love that. And I think I'm definitely going to try it out. So one thing that I discovered before is, so I, I have this kind of erotic app that's like designed for women. It was gifted to me by someone else and the founder. And I randomly discovered the section of they have an orgasmic breathing. And what was interesting, I was like, okay, let me try this. And I I noticed that compare, I usually always do some kind of a mindfulness meditation that morning, but that those mindfulness meditation exercises or guided meditation ones, I find myself getting distracted. But I think with this kind of breathing, it's easy to focus. So I'm very excited to check out your your recording because it seems like you even perhaps take us deeper on the, in these practices. Yeah, and then once you've learned it, you can do it shorter. You can just borrow some pieces of it. You can totally make it your own. It'll just get you started. Mm-hmm. I don't Love believe that. that there's just one way to do anything. Well, it seems like you've been teaching it nationally and internationally, so we would love to learn from you. Something else that you had in the book that I thought was very interesting was about sex magic. And as we were talking about it, I realized that I, I didn't grasp the concept, so it was even better than what I, what I thought it is. So please tell us more about that. Well, sex magic, actually, it's... It, it goes, it's such an ancient practice, really. And it, it got popular again in America around the beginning of the 1900s. And it, Aleister Crowley's sex magic, I'm going to tell you what it is, but first a little history. Um, Aleister Crowley's ma- sex magic got kind of tied up with Tantra just because two communities collided. So there's this sort of connection between Tantra and sex magic that, is a very new American thing, despite people the fact that people think, oh, that's ancient. Nah, probably not. But I think that, the, that sex magical practices have gone back a long way. And again, I like to keep things simple and doable. So if you are a magic practitioner, you can obviously fold sex magic into whatever kind of magic you already do. However, my simple version of it is really like orgasmic prayer. And it all started early on in my tantric practice, actually even a little bit before that, 
when I was a student and friend of the metaphysical teacher, Louise Hay. And many years ago, in the middle of the AIDS crisis, she was suggesting not only that we love ourselves and teaching us how, but that we also send love ahead of us to someone or some place on the planet that needed love. It was a lovely personal, you know, kind of embodied prayer, and I liked it a lot. So me, being an overachiever, thought, oh, instead of just love, what if I sent orgasms? <laughs> I'm sure they're more welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in that moment, I thought I discovered sex magic because that's how humans are. <laughs> but in fact, I did not discover sex magic. I did not discover dedicated orgasms. They've been going on for ages. However, what I found when I dedicated orgasms, and by dedicated orgasms, I mean like setting an intention, and I'm going to tell you how to do that in a second setting an intention that I wanted to send the orgasm and the love to, and then being very clear about that, and then letting it go, and then raising the sexual energy with a partner, with myself, with a group, whatever. And maybe at the end, at the peak, sometime just after orgasm or in the afterglow, touching upon my intention one more time. It isn't like making love while only thinking about your intention. Mm-hmm. That would get weird. <laughs> so how do you set your intention? This is really the the specific part, the part you need to pay attention to. I'm, I'm sure you know how to raise sexual energy and you can do it in any way you want. Setting the intention matters. You want to have the clearest vision of what you want possible. You do not want to send prayers and orgasms to what you don't want. Now, if you want a specific model Mercedes, you probably know what that car looks like. Mm -hmm. You probably know what it smells like. You're probably pretty familiar with that car. So holding that image is not so very difficult Mm -hmm. because you've been focusing on that. And it's, and it's, it's a good thing. If you are sending sexual energy to a friend for healing, to a friend in chemotherapy, it can be much harder to see them well. Or if you're sending it to heal, to stop the war in Syria and to restore Syria to its former glory, it's much harder to see that. Mm -hmm. So before you start flinging orgasms at what you don't want, it's important to spend some time in meditation about what your friend looks like healthy or what Damascus would look like Mm -hmm. with people on tree-lined streets, sipping coffee in cafes, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And when you have those more complex visions of health and peace, what I like to do, because they're hard to hold on to, is to put them in a symbol, like for instance, a heart, Mm -hmm. an infinity symbol, a circle, a spiral, some symbol that's easy for the primitive brain to remember. And I just focus on that symbol when I'm going to send my energy, mm-hmm. the heart, the infinity sign. And, and that's my focus and it contains my vision because I think it's really, really important mm-hmm. to, in all our prayers, however we do them with or without sexual energy, to There's so much going on in the world right now that is just an argument. (laughs) And it's so easy to focus on what we don't want. What they want is bad. 
you know, I learned this, my first sex magic project that went on for months, well, years, I think, was I sent orgasms and prayers to end apartheid. And what's cool about doing it for a cause that's bigger than yourself, not that you can't do it for you, was that I ran into all sorts of real world ways to help. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like what you think about you attract. So I attracted all sorts of concrete ways that were right in my face in New York City to work some good to change things for the better in South Africa. And I've noticed that every time I have focused sex magic on something for a prolonged period of time, that happens. Love that. So you're sending the energy and also it brings out this concrete action that you can take based on your values and the goal that you have with that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's like any prayer. It's not the only thing you do. You also have to work on a physical plane, on a worldly level to make things change. But when it's supported with the spiritual intention, as you so well said, in alignment with your values, I believe our efforts can have a bigger effect. Mm -hmm. Love that. I know that didn't sound all sexy, but... Sex magic actually is very sexy and very empowering. Our listeners know that I grew up in kind of a oppressive uh, society. So I have like conflicted relationship with religion, but I love that like this, like you combine it with sexual energy and it just, it made it a hundred times more attractive to me now, <laughs> sending the positive energy and kind of working towards something bigger than yourself, but it's not. We don't have to call it prayer. Okay. If that triggers people, I totally get it. I have a complicated history with religion as well, which is probably why I reclaimed it with this technique. Mm-hmm. Love that. I think these are fantastic, tangible steps that you shared with us and practical things. And I thank you for being so generous with these things. So Barbara, I'm sure many of our listeners, they want to know how can they get a hold of you? I know you have, a, you have the first book is the Urban Tantra, and then you have the second one coming up. Please tell us more about your work and where can our listeners find your content? You can start at barbaracarellas.com. That's C-A-R-R-E-L-L-A-S, but I'm sure it's on the homepage of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And you can see all of what I'm about there. I teach workshops around the world, really. And I also have a professional training program. The next one will be in the United States in August 2020. And yeah, and books, Urban Tantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, Ecstasy is Necessary, and Luxurious Loving. Uh, plus recordings in the breath and energy meditation and all sorts of other stuff. But you can find it all at the website. Excellent. So Barbara was so generous that she sent us the link. So you guys, if you want to check out the URL, it's going to be on the show notes. Barbara, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and coming on our show. It was lovely to have you this episode. A pleasure to talk to you as well. Have a great night. I hope you found our conversation helpful. I've been having this ongoing debate with my own friends that whether 
it's possible to purely experience orgasm just through breathing without genital touch. So let me know if if you master it, if that's something that you've been practicing. I'm certainly at the very, very beginning step of this process. At the end, I wanted to thank all of you guys who wrote us honest reviews in iTunes and Stitchers. I wanted to say, give a shout out to Etmora. I hope I say her name right. She wrote best sex podcast I ever found. Etmora, I love you. Thank you so much for all your kind comments that you wrote in your review, which is a paragraph long. I'm not going to read it on the air. But if you guys enjoy this show, please show us some love with subscribing and writing a review. I love you guys. Make sure you are entering our giveaway and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexology.com sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.